I am happy to be back here. I'm thrilled to be here with you all. And I have a sermon for us this morning. I'll have a little help today, as you'll see, um, from one of our longtime Awaken members. Because any time there's an opportunity to get someone else up here to talk about what God's doing in their life, I am all for it because that's what this is all about. And so ultimately, that's what this sermon is all about. In this sermon, I've titled this one, Dream Awakeners, Heart Revealers, Storytellers, Soul Healers, and Light Givers. And the question I'll begin with is, which one are you? Or which two are you? (laughs) Now, last year, it was September 17th, 2023. We'll jump back in our DeLorean for a few months here and go back in time. I gave a sermon. I was in a series talking about church. What is the church? What's the purpose of church? Why do we do church? And on the 17th of September, I gave a sermon called Ecclesia. Because this is a very, very important word. Who remembers this word? Who remembers this sermon? What's it been, like five, six months? All right, so I have a few hands here. Keaton, always the student. I love it. Ecclesia is used 114 times in the New Testament. Whenever a word is used that frequently, it's probably a sign that we should be paying attention to it. Now, who remembers what this word means in English? Nice. All right, Jeanette is on it too. Were you even here that? I don't think you were even here. All right. I like it. All right. See, Mary's always peering over her shoulder. (laughs) Front row students right here. I love you all in the back row too. It's okay. I was a back row student too, so I gotcha. Now, uh, so here we are, church. And then I talked about this particular verse in Ephesians. And this is a verse, or a couple of verses, about church. And remember, this series that we had in September, it was, well, why do we gather? Does it even matter? What's the point? What are we possibly doing here? Is the whole purpose of church that we walk into a building on a Sunday morning, sit in some seats, sing a couple of songs together, hear someone speak for a little bit, read some of the Bible, try to understand what it means for us, and then we move on with our lives. Is that the whole point of church, or is there something more going on? Obviously, I'd argue that there is something more going on, that your spirituality cannot be contained to 30 minutes or 50 minutes or an hour or however long on a Sunday morning. Church is just one facet of your spiritual Life And it's not something that you just sit there and that you observe from a distance, but rather I believe church is something that we are meant to be active participants in. So here's this verse, a couple of verses in Ephesians. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith wouldn't that be great if we all had some unity? Can anyone else use some more unity? In your, you, you've had enough discord. You've had enough strife. You see enough strife in the world that imagine if there were a place where we could all be united together. Or, yeah, we had some differences, but we kind of set those to the side and we focused on love and Jesus and the grace that Christ brings. Imagine what, how our lives might change how our neighborhoods and communities, how we could begin to change the world 
if we focused on being united around Jesus as opposed to looking for reasons to argue and to fight. I have a six and four year old. Sometimes I feel like that's all they do. Look for reasons to fight. So we, we, we come to church so that the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now this sermon back in September, I pulled these verses out and then I pulled out three reasons why we are told in these verses why church matters and why church is important. Here are those three reasons. We gather together on a Sunday. We gather together at Debbie's house twice a month in order to be equipped. So that we're equipped for what? What's the reason for this equipping? So that you can memorize Bible verses and then spout them out at other people? For Bible trivia? No, it's so that we can pour ourselves out to others so that we can go and serve the world. Think about the life of Jesus. We're here this morning because we want to know, well, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean for me in my life? I claim Christ as my Lord, my Savior, but what does it mean for me to live into that reality? Well, the example of Jesus was one of service. We see story after story of Jesus pouring himself out for others. We see this in a big way on the cross. His entire life was leading up to this moment, but his entire life even before the cross was about love, was about service, was about showing others there's a different way to live than the way of greed and selfishness and hatred and getting even with your enemy. There's another way to live. It's the way of pouring your light, humbling yourself and serving others. So we come together, we gather together so that we're given the tools, the training, so that now we can use our gifts to serve the world. We gather together so that followers of Jesus may be built up. And then there we are, we already talked about unity, built up, who sometimes could use some building up. You ever felt knocked down in life? You ever have a, a stretch, a week, a season of life that just knocks you flat on your face? You ever been there before? And you need a group of people who can walk alongside with you and kind of carry you for a season, who can build you back up. All the broken pieces that you carry with you, there's others who, who can mend those broken places that we all carry within our soul. So we, we gather together to be united and to be built up, to be given the tools to know what's in here. Because sometimes we don't even know how much power we possess within us. Sometimes we're not even aware of the gifts that we have been given by God. And so we need others to help draw those out. Uh, and then attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that we may look more and more like Jesus. It's great to read stories about Jesus. Stories that aren't meant to be memorized, but are meant to be lived out with our lives. We look at the example of Jesus. We read these stories so that 
we're transformed. So that we look into our lives and we realize, okay, there's something going on here and it's calling something out of me. And so we gather together to look more and more like Jesus with our lives. So we talked about this verse and we said here in the beginning of Ephesians, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Now who are these apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers? Who are they? Who remembers from five months ago? They are you. You are the apostles and the prophets, evangelists, teachers. Have you ever considered yourself an apostle or a prophet? See, we had community group after this, and we had a discussion about these terms, about apostles, prophets, and we talked about how these are terms that feel really formal. They sort of feel a little bit out of reach. Like, okay, we have these five categories. Well, these are the paid professionals. These are the missionaries who fly halfway across the world in order to go talk to different groups about Jesus. Or these are the pastors who stand up there on a Sunday morning and they unpack scripture. They're the pastors who lead groups. They're the pastors that do hospital visitations. We, we kind of look at these as, as people that are very, very different than us. But in reality, what is being said here in these verses is that Christ gave all of you for those three reasons that we just looked at. So you want to be built up. You want to be united. You want to be trained. Well, look around the room because... These are the people who will help you in that process. You want to look more and more like Jesus? Well, church is the place where we're to help each other look more and more like Jesus because this is the place where we talk about the messy things of life, the things that affect us. Uh, we talk about, well, what does it mean to be transformed? And you do it on a Sunday morning, but it can't just end there because there's more to it. Than that, And so church is a group of people gathering together to help in that process of each of those three things that we looked at. So we talked about this as something that's far out of reach. And ever since then, since we had that discussion, I said, oh, I want to do a sermon about this. How do we help all of us understand that we really are the apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists? So there's a book that I read a couple of years ago. Uh, it's by J.R. Woodward. It's called Creating a Missional Culture. And what he does is he defines those five terms in a way that I think is more accessible for us. And he calls apostles dream awakeners. So maybe you don't consider yourself an apostle, but would you think of yourself as a dream awakener? So apostle, from the Greek, it means someone who is sent. Someone who lives with this awareness that their life is not simply for themselves, but that they are being sent out into the world in order to do something. So what is the apostle being sent out in the world to do? To draw out the God-given gifts and abilities that we all have. So maybe you don't consider yourself an apostle, but maybe you look around at others and you think to yourself, Man, if they could see what I see, if they could believe about themselves the things that I know to be true about them, man, their, their life, they could have such an impact for the kingdom. Or, or they could change lives. They could draw people to Jesus 
in really unique ways. So an apostle is someone who lives with this awareness that every single person is gifted in their own unique way. And an apostle is someone who is sent out into the world. And look, we're all sent into the world because we all don't live in a bubble. You don't stay in your apartment or your house all week long. I know this because you are here this morning. You're not consuming this online. You're here in person with a group of people. So you're sent out into the world so that you can look around and you can help draw out from other people the best of who they are. You can unlock the dreams that other people keep buried within them. Dreams that have been birthed within them by the Spirit. So maybe apostle feels a little out of reach for you, but maybe you're someone that sees the best in other people. And you want to use your life in a way that helps draw that out of people. An apostle typically is someone who uh, can start a new endeavor. So maybe they do begin a business. Maybe they begin a church. But maybe they don't begin any kind of formal business, but they just go around and they have these conversations with people because they truly believe that if they were to ask the right question, someone's life could be transformed. We talk about the prophets. Prophets are heart revealers. I think there's a twofold way of understanding prophets. I had a uh, professor in seminary, and this guy would ask the most awkward questions you could ever imagine. He would have students in the middle of class stand up on the desk, and these were adults because this was seminary, and then he would ask a question like, are you holy? Which, how do you answer a question like that? (laughs) And then if you were alone with him, not in front of a large group, he would just ask questions about your personal life. And what he was trying to do he was trying to bring awareness to any areas of our lives where there was some sin, where there were some things going on that weren't leading us into wholeness, where we weren't living in a way that was living into the fullness of Christ. And he wasn't doing it in a way because he was trying to shame you. He was doing it because he wanted the best for his students. And if there was anything holding us back from serving God, following Jesus, works of service. He wanted to transform that within us. So a prophet is a heart revealer, revealing some of the hiddenness that we carry within us. You ever have a friend like that? And they don't want you to stay where you are. They believe that where you are is somewhere. It's okay where you are, but they don't want to leave you there. And they want to love you forward into wholeness. And then a prophet is someone also who calls out the injustices that we see in the world. And there are lots of injustices that we see around us. A prophet is someone who cannot stay silent. They call out the brokenness within individuals and they call out the brokenness within the world. So maybe you don't consider yourself a prophet, like one of those Old Testament really weird, bizarre prophets that we looked at last year for Lent. But maybe you're someone that looks around at the world and you see things that are broken and your heart breaks. You see a lack of wholeness, shalom, which is what God desires for each of us and for this world. And your heart breaks for people and for creation. 
and you can't just let it go on. And so you have to make a stand and you have to say something about it. These are people who stand up and they will protest things. These are people who they say, I, I want my life to make a difference. And I understand I might not be, I might be ridiculed. I might not be accepted, but it doesn't matter because there's this fire within my heart and things cannot continue this way. Then we have the evangelists who are the storytellers. And sometimes this can be a really wonky word for some of us if we've had a bad experience with evangelists before, as I know some of us have. But evangelist is someone basically who tries to figure out how the good news of Jesus, how the gospel can speak to this person or to these people or to this culture. They're putting, evangelists, they put the good news of Jesus into a story. They find a way to tell the story of Jesus to others in a way that relates to them and where they are in their lives. Because what an evangelist has is a heart for others to live under the reign of Christ. What's the reign of Christ? Trusting that the one who is over it all is good and loving, and merciful, and filled with grace for each person. And so an evangelist tries to explain that, puts it into a story. This can happen in a conversation. It can happen through a song. It can happen in a movie. It can happen when you get up and talk to people in front of a group. But an evangelist is someone who just wants everyone to follow Jesus to trust the way of grace and love and mercy. And the evangelist finds unique and creative ways to tell the good news of Jesus. Then we have the pastors who are the soul healers. I love this. You ever find yourself in the presence of a soul healer? You've gone through it and there's someone who just sits there beside you. There's someone who, they bring you a meal. You didn't ask for it, but they show up with a meal. Or DoorDash knocks on your door, and you're like, who dropped this off? A soul healer, a pastor, someone who just sits with you. Maybe they help you make sense of what you're going through. Maybe they grieve with you over a loss that you've just experienced. But a pastor is someone who is drawn to people's pain. They're a person who is caring and merciful and loving. So maybe you don't consider yourself a pastor because you don't get up here on a Sunday morning, but hey, some of you are way more pastoral than me because you're drawn to pain and to other stories and you just want to help other people in the midst of what they're going through. And then we have teachers who are the light bringers. Another term that I, I love how this guy just took these terms and put them into, like, they're like, yeah, I'm a light bringer. I'm a dream awake. I can, I can do that. I can't do apostle, but I can do dream awakener. Now, a light bringer is someone, kind of like the evangelist, they reveal how we can live into God's story. So a teacher is someone who has a heart for scripture, and likes to interpret scripture for this time and place. 
Scripture isn't a story or a bunch of stories that happened thousands of years ago, but rather Scripture is an ongoing story. And what the teacher does is show how these stories that are true and that happened thousands of years ago, how they're not just simply in the past, but they're actually inviting us to live in a certain way today. So if we can draw these eternal truths out of Scripture, well, then we can help all of us live in a particular way today with our lives. So the teacher shows where God has been and still is at work in the world. It can be up here on a Sunday morning, leading a Bible study. Uh, it could be just in the way normal conversations that you have with people. But a teacher is someone who brings awareness to others of where God is at work, God's story all throughout history. So we have the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and then these terms that, man, I love the language that he uses. Now, I said I was going to have some help from an old awakened friend who is still a current awakened friend, but someone who has been with Awakened from the very, very beginning. Uh, many of you know her. Her name is Debbie Kreckler. And Debbie, I mean, shout out to Debbie because she has stood with Awaken from the very beginning. And Debbie is someone who she has a heart to live out her God-given calling. She's someone who just keeps going and someone who just continues to be led by the Spirit and to follow where the Spirit is leading her. And if there's an opportunity for her to live into who she is and who God has created her to be, she says yes to it. Debbie is like Jim Carrey in Yes Man. She is yes. And Debbie, the other week, she asked me, she said, hey, would you want me to get up and talk a little bit about a trip that I have recently uh, experienced? And I said, well, of course. Yeah, we want to hear about it because Debbie was in El Salvador for a week. And Debbie took her vacation time to go down to El Salvador because there was something about this trip that resonated with her. And I told Debbie this morning, so I'm not fully, fully putting her on the spot, but kind of putting her on the spot, but it's okay because me and Debbie go way back. We used to play kickball together. And I said, can you, in light of some of these terms that we just looked at, can you give us the rationale? Why did you want to go and sacrifice some of your time to go to El Salvador? And then Debbie has some pictures. She's going to tell us a little bit about what happened while she was down there. So with that, I'm going to hand it off to Debbie. I um, signed up for this because um, I really, I want to, uh, God gave me gifts and I want to be able to use them. And um, one of the, the gifts he gave me was of that of just um, healing and, and my skills as a physical therapist. And um, so I have this desire to really be able to use those gifts and not only like here with my job throughout my everyday life, but also with to for people who um, really have a need for those gifts and, and don't or and don't necessarily have access to the care that they they need and and, and they deserve. And so, um, I really want to be able to share those gifts with with other people. Um, and then the other aspect of it, of course, this was. Um, this trip that I went on, it was a, a medical mission trip, but it was also a, a Christian-based trip as well. And so um, I also find, I, you know, I really want to show people and, and share with people the, the love that God has for them 
Um, and, and, um, but I'm also not, I guess the, the best with words, um, despite the fact that I might talk your ear off for a little bit this morning, but generally it's not something that comes easy to me. And so, um, I really find that the way for me to, um, express God's love to people is not necessarily through my words, but through my actions and being able to share those gifts with other people and, and show them that, okay, yeah, I came all the way from America because I love you and God loves you and God wants to show you that love and he wants to, he, he wants to love you if you'll, you know, let him. And, and so I use this trip as, as, as a way of doing that. Um, so I went to El Salvador, <laughs> um, back uh, just a couple weeks ago. So in El Salvador, well, first I'll just explain. So this is a volcano in El Salvador. It was, this is the view of it from behind where our clinic was. For those of you who know me and, and my, my friend, we, we traveled together, we're both hikers. And we learned early on in this trip that there is a hiking trail up to the top of this volcano. And so we threatened the entire time to go and to the top of this thing. <laughs> we did not go for two reasons. One, it was 100 degrees and um, there was no shade on that trail and our New York blood, I don't think would have been able to handle it. And two, um, I think our armed guards would have been very upset with us if we left the group. So we, next time we will try to hike the volcano. Um, so just a little bit about El Salvador. El Salvador is the smallest country in Central America. Um, it has a really tough history. El Salvador is traditionally known for gangs and violence. Um, and just the gang problem there was tremendous in that people could not leave their homes without the threat of um, being attacked by a gang. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, actually, and, and they said that if you left your town and went into another town that another gang ruled, you could be killed just by entering into someone else's territory. And so people in El Salvador have lived this life of fear and seclusion, like they don't leave their homes. However, in the past couple of years, they've had a new president and the new president has kind of has cracked down on gains significantly. And so the, the violence is much, much, much better and people can leave their homes safely now. Um, but the way in that he has cracked down on those gangs, some of those methods are very questionable. So they live in somewhat of a police state now at this point. Um, so just it's just a little bit of the history of just that fear that people live in in that country all the time. Um, and as part of that crackdown um, on gangs, in the past two years, he has arrested 90,000 people and put them in jails. And so a lot of family members or a lot of families are living now without their family members. Their family members were put into jail and, and you know, they're, they're saying it's, you know, three years until they even receive a trial date. And so just, there's a lot of just turmoil within the, the within the area. So we went down into this, um, this situation and um, this is our team. We, we, um, there were 18 Americans on the team. Um, we came from states all across the country. Um, our youngest member was 20. Our oldest was 80. Um, and our, the 80-year-old was amazing. Um, we loved her. And then when we got down there, our team also included our interpreters. Our interpreters were high school students learning English. 
Um, and then, of course, the team of the church that we worked with, from the pastor to the coordinator to all the interpreters to the ladies who were giving us water throughout the day and, and um, you know, giving us food throughout the day. So that is our team. And there was, it was a great team. There was, um, even though there were only 18 of us from America, you can see there's a lot more people in that picture. Um, everyone played just a really important role, whatever their role was, on that team. Um, we went with, um, from the team from America, we went with physical therapists, doctors, nurses, um, but then a lot of people who didn't have a medical degree and were helping out in other various ways. There was a lot of prep work for this. I won't talk about this too much. Um, because, like I said, I'm going to talk your ear off and I have a lot to say. But um, there was a lot of prep work before going on this trip, um, just in terms of physical things like collecting items that we needed to, to bring down there. Um, and those are some examples there, but also just prepping the team. Um, we, before we went, we were, the team was just in constant communication um, through email conversations about who was going to be doing what, what we were going to be doing, and then just in, even though we were all scattered across the country in, um, in devotion with each other. So for the 14 days before the trip, we all took a day where we, f we fasted and we prayed. And, and, you know, so for the 14 days before the trip, one person on a team at least was really fasting and praying for the trip and what we were going to be uh, doing there. Some of the team members came with gifts. So um, the the bag, um, the um, the bag on the the right there. Um, someone, one of the pharmacists came with those bags, and basically they had members of their church make these bags to bring down, so that when they were given their medications at the clinic, um, the medications would go in that bag, and then they could take that bag and use it for whatever else they would need in their life. And so. Um, the pharmacists, like I said, they came, you know, members of the church, they had, you know, like 100 or so of these bags that we were able to use and, and give out. On the left um, is an angel necklace. And again, um, another team member, um, some members of their church made these angel necklaces. And, and what we would do is we would wear these angels. And then if when we saw someone that we wanted to give our angel to who we worked with, we would give them that angel. And just as a representation of, you know, God loves you and um, he is, you know, he wants to be a part of your life. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you my angel story a little bit later, but we had angels that were, were brought down. Um, when we got there, I mean, there was just, in general, a lot of prep work that we needed to do. Um, we got down there and we had, um, we brought from the States, like, tons and tons of medications that was it's always fun going through customs with them um, but we had tons and tons of medications that we had to then sort through um, and count and so like the day before we even opened up the clinic we were there and we were in the rooms and we were just counting medications um, that was a fun job because as physical therapists we are well known for not being able to count well <laughs> so <laughs> my friend and I were like um, okay we think that's 10 meds like okay they're in the bag good luck <laughs> but um, so we, we spent the day just getting to know each other as a team and and getting these medications ready then the day before clinic began we had um, a church service um, with the, the church that was um, helping to, to sponsor us. And um, it was, first it was wonderful worshiping with them. I mean, there's, there's something about worshiping with another group where you don't speak the language, but yet 
still worshiping together as as one so you know in the worship service because we were there they sang like some songs in english but a lot of it was in spanish and just being able to like do that collectively um is always um re- just a really meaningful experience but um as part of that service we did um go out into the local community and basically we knocked on people's doors and we said hey we're having a medical clinic um you know all this week we want you to come um and so we were able to really just get out into the the community and in like just that process of inviting people in um what just what was interesting was a lot of people when you knock on their doors they're nervous to come to the door and and say hello to you just because of that history of that gang violence you know they're they're very still like really closed into their home so even that was just you know just getting someone to come to the door um was um you know just a a really nice you know experience for them to to have and you know you meet someone safe at your door instead of a gang um let's see so this is our clinic on the right right left side there um you can see there's um the tents of people just waiting to come into the clinic um what was great we had our clinic was just beautiful it was a brand new building that they built for us um so it was absolutely beautiful um the downside was brand new so the air conditioning was not yet installed so it was hot (laughs) but it was beautiful and so that's just us going into the clinic and all the the people are waiting there um to to um be seen and then this is just inside the clinic so in the clinic we had so many different uh, services that were available of course there's physical therapy that's what I was there for but we had physicians there um, we had pharmacists um, we had an eyeglass clinic and the eyeglass clinic um, was really unique this year I think hold on I have yeah another picture of that one so often when we go we'll bring down reader glasses um, and we are able to give those out pretty easily but for the first time on this trip there was someone on the trip who um, was able to raise funds through her own church to get a device that helps make distance glasses and so this is the first um, trip that um, the organization I went with GHO sent out that had this device where people were able to get distance glasses for the first time and the line for that was out the door forever all day long um, and so so many people were really able to get receive the gift of sight that they just never had had any opportunity for before so the glasses clinic was really something very special um, and what was nice about the glasses clinic is that Anyone could help with it. Um, We did not have an optometrist on the trip. Um, These were just people who wanted to go out and serve. Um, You know, they were provided with instructions and how to do it and everything like that. But these are people that just, you know, wanted to go out and and serve. Um, And, you know, there was no special training that was really required for that. Um, this is our physical therapy. <laughs> um, we had we, we saw a lot of people um, with neck pain and back pain. Um, that's a lot of people have very hard labor intensive lives. Um, and so just a lot of bodily pains. And you know, we can't, in terms of what we do in, in, in physical therapy, we can't cure someone in one day, one treatment. 
But what we can do and is really provide education on how to, you know, move your body differently and better so that to, to really have to enforce better habits for a lifelong um, improvement of, of, of the pain, I guess. Um, and so we were busy. Um, we enjoyed ourselves. It was fun. <laughs> Um, but that's a, just a, a little snippet on the, the physical therapy and, and how we were able to use our gifts there. Um, we did some home visits in the community. Um, so this is me at, at doing a, a home visit with someone and, and giving him a brace. And this goes into my, my angel story a little bit. We went into um, someone's home, and this was – they were – it was – away from the main city and the main church building and maybe took us like 20 minutes on like bumpy roads and stuff to get there and this was someone who had been approached by or, or had talked to members of the church frequently in the past um in in trying to encourage her to come to the church and wanting her to really know god's love and experience his love um but she had never really fully you know committed to that or anything like that so but they had a need. I went and saw her. She had a elbow pain, and I treated for her elbow pain. This was, you know, her her father. I treated him for for knee pain, and then, um, you know, we left. We left, but I knew that they could both really benefit from like some braces that we had in the clinic that I just hadn't brought with me. And so I, I talked to some of the people at the clinic. I was like, hey, look, I think both these people could benefit a brace. Like, is there any way, can we go back there? Can we get them really what they, what they need? And they said, yeah, of course. It, you know, if, if um, you think this is really important, like, we're going to make it happen. I said, wonderful. So we went back the next day. I gave um, the gentleman his, his knee brace. I gave her a, a, an elbow brace. And we were talking to her a little bit. And she said to me, she says, you know, I'm just, she's like, I'm so sorry I haven't been able to go to church. That really allowed the, you know, opened the doors for a little bit of a, of a bigger conversation. And so, you know, we got to talking a little bit more and, you know, it's, it's tough for her to get to church. And she was saying how life has been challenging because her, her son, like young son, like 14, like left home and hasn't been back. And they're having a, a you know, a hard time with their relationship. And so, I was really able to have a conversation about her, with her about what it could look like to have God in her life and how um, reliance on him and, and his, his grace and his love that he can provide could change her, her life. Um, and so I was able to, so then I took my angel and I gave her my angel. I said, hey, this is a reminder for you that, you know, God loves you. He, he wants to see you. He wants to see you in church. Um, and so this is for you to remind you of that. Um, and then we were able to, to pray together a little bit before, before we left. So it's, it's moments and, and stories like that of, of that's, why, that's why I go. It, it's not to, it, it is to, you know, bring the, the physical therapy and the healing and, and things like that. But it's also having those kinds of conversations that can change people's lives um, it, you know, more, more drastically in more of a spiritual way. Um, and that's, that's really why, why we go. So that's my angel story. Um, so, you know, every, after we treated every patient, um, we would pray with them. And, um, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the trip is, is really, okay, after I treat them, okay, what can, can I pray for you? And, and what can I pray for? 
And a lot of times people like the, the default answer is, okay, can you pray for my family? Okay. Yes. I'll pray for your family. Um, but a lot of times, but sometimes they'll really go in a little more depth into what's going on in their lives. And, um, you know, someone will tell me about, um, a specifically, you know, a, a sick, a sick family member that's going through this or, you know, someone, one, I remember it was just, it was very joyful. It was like, oh, my, my wife is pregnant. We're really excited about that. And that was, that was just a really joyful prayer. And, and it was just being able to, um, get to be with these people and, um, just get them to, um, really understand that as much as I am here helping them, God wants to be with them. He wants to be helping them also. Um, so we spent a lot of time praying. Um, everyone, once they were done with um, going through the medical clinic, they would go to what we call these counseling tables. And these were members of that church where we were there, and they would talk to people about their faith. Um, and so what was nice is it was, what I loved about this was that it was, it wasn't these like random Americans coming down. It was members of their church, members of their community that were really talking to them and working on then building those relationships for further beyond after the time that, that we left. And, and so um, members of the church really got to talk to everyone who went to the clinic about their faith and where they are with their faith and how they can help them um, you know, continue on with their faith. Um, there were other outreach programs um, that were there. Again, they have really poor um, water in a lot of these communities. So we had someone come down. Again, he's not a medical person by any means, um, but he had, a, he had a desire to give clean water. And so we went down with water filtration systems that you could put into just a, you know, a bucket. Every, most people do have a bucket there um, that you could put through into a bucket and um, it would help provide clean water. The filter was supposed to last for 10 years. Um, so we were, we were given out these filtration systems. Um, we also had someone who um, had put together these backpacks and these backpacks were filled with like blood pressure cuffs, basic first aid stuff, um, wound care things, thermometers, things like that. And she would teach members of the community there how to use all of those things. And so then a trusted member of the church in the community who was going to be willing to share that information and, and the supplies would be entrusted with one of these backpacks. So again, once we left, they would have um, some of the things that they needed to continue, you know, helping people with their medical care. We had, um, well, most of us don't speak Spanish. I don't know a word of Spanish. It's really bad. So we had um, um, interpreters um, with us, and our the interpreters for these this trip were high school students learning English, and they were fantastic. I know when I was learning another language in high school, I was terrible at it. There's no way we have a conversation with anyone, um, but these students were amazing. They were absolutely fantastic, and what was great was that these students, we could minister to these students at the same time, so they were involved in all of our 
morning meetings and devotional times. They were there with us when we were praying for people. Um, a lot of them have, um, not all of them, but a lot of them do have a Christian background. And so, you know, they would be there with us, praying with us and everything as well. And so you really got, and I, you really got to know some of your student interpreters. I think I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to go into the stories of, of, of these guys um, too much, but really got to know their stories and um, hear their, listen to their, their dreams and their aspirations and just help them guide them through some of those. Um, and so just kind of the, the future of, of El Salvador, one is just the students. The students were absolutely amazing. Um, the one picture is of the, the guy in the red cape, and um, the, those are some of the students. And in the morning, as all the people were outside waiting to go into the clinic, they would do like an interpretive dance for um, the, the, the people who were waiting. And that, you know, dance would be something, you know, expressing um you know the story of god and jesus and and so just they would get up there and they would do this dance and it was beautiful and um like they the desire and the passion that they have um is is incredible and they're these young kids and so kind of you know if they're the ones that are going to be kind of you know leading the country like the, it's in good hands um, and then the other picture there, that's a picture of the, that's Pastor Hobe. He's the pastor of the church there. Um, and one of the things he did was he kept track of everyone who went to the clinic who was really interested in getting to know God um, and um, really wanted to experience that love more. And so he has, you know, a name of, you know, the names and address of all those people. And before we left, he was even planning on having, hosting a dinner at the church for all of those people so they could all come back um, and continue learning and growing in, in Christ. And so, you know, again, the future, once we leave, was in good hands with the people who were, who were there. Um, and then kind of the, the last thing I'll, I'll mention here is one of, the, one of the things they, or on the first day there, I was talking to the leader of the, the team. And he was just asking me a little bit about my history and my church and my community here. And so I was sharing with him a little bit about Awaken and, and what we do here and, and how, you know, we do things a little bit differently than some of the traditional churches that you might see and he was really interested in that and so he asked me on the first day of um, the clinic on Monday when we did our morning devotionals um, to actually talk to the group about um, you know the church like awaken and and the idea of community and, and how important that is and so I did that and um, it then became that idea of community became a focus for the rest of the week for the for the team um so that was just a very um um meaningful experience i think to be able to share that and share a piece of you guys with all of them there as well um and i think it, what it helped to frame like just again like the idea of community and that we were all there with very different skills, very different um, things to offer and bring. Um, some people were medical professionals, some people weren't. And that was okay because we all had a role. Some people have that, that gift of, like Dave was saying, of that 
um, that storytelling and being able to really have those conversations about God with people and other people, you know, were able to really show that love in other ways. And it, but we all had a different role to play in that process. Um, and so like you did, you came together as that community, as that team. And just the idea of that is you, it doesn't matter like what your skills and your gifts are, you have them. And wherever you are, whether it's in El Salvador or whether it's here in New York, like you have those gifts, like use them, you know, kind of coming together with, and you don't have to do it yourself. You can do it with your team. You do it with your community and, and using those gifts for, um, wherever you are, you know, we talked about, okay, El Salvador was our mission field for that particular week, but you know, now I'm back in New York and everyone is back scattered to wherever they are. And, and we talked about as a team, okay, where you go back to your home, like that is your mission field. Like you don't have to fly across the world to, to do mission. There's mission right where you are as well. So we had a lot of conversations with our team afterwards. Okay, how are you, what are you going to do in your mission field, your local mission field? What am I going to do here in New York? What are you guys going to do here in New York? And so I think just being able to recognize what your gifts are, where that calling is, and just um, applying it wherever you actually are and doing that. So that's, I think, what I got. <laughs> so I'm going to pass it back to Dave, I guess. <laughs> And if you guys have like questions or anything later, like please, like, you know, I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Thank you, Debbie. One more round of applause. I think Debbie Debbie summed it up perfectly for us. You all have gifts. Uh, let's use them, and let's pour ourselves out for this world. That's the example that Jesus gives us. It's how Jesus lived. And as followers of Jesus, that's who we are called to be. Where do you find yourself on this? Where are you? Maybe you don't know. Maybe the person next to you is like, oh, you know what? You don't see yourself as this, but you're a dream awakener. So ask the person next to you, who has God created you to be? Let's go out and be that person.